0: I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS Views podcast. With me is Kanika Hope, Chief Strategy Officer of Temenos. We're talking about banking as a service. This is something which has been talked about for some time, but appears to be, well, really taking off at the moment. What are the trends you're seeing, Kanika?
1: Before we talk about uh, banking as a service, let's step back and talk about open banking a little bit, because that is a trend that, obviously has been around for a few years and has been the direct outcome of the disintermediation of the banking chain by nimble new entrants, uh, chipping away at some of the most uh, attractive segments and basically enabling the divergence of the banking value chain along distribution and manufacturing. And essentially meaning that banks have to collaborate and coexist with so many different entities whether they are fintechs, whether they are platform players, whether they are technology giants or indeed retail or telcos and other banks. And it is open banking and the widespread use of open APIs that is now morphing into what in the UK at least is being referred to as open finance, uh, which is basically data which is beyond just banking accounts, but also going into uh, mortgages and loans and pensions and insurance and creating even more opportunities for innovation. And it is this sort of concept of open finance and embedded finance, which is the reason why banking as a service has has sort of come into its own. And particularly since the COVID pandemic, because consumers are wanting banking services as part of an integrated customer journey at the point of sale or at the point of that lifestyle service from a single digital interface. And that is what is leading to BAS. To
0: what you're actually saying, as much as anything else, is it's the pandemic that has meant that it's come to the fore
1: now. Yes, to some extent, because what the pandemic has done is obviously forced digitization, which was a structural trend pre-pandemic. But since the pandemic, there has been this absolute switch to you know, online shopping, the, the inability of people to go into branches, financial distress, which has led to consumers needing products like buy now, pay later, which is a very classic example of, of embedded finance, where you're buying something at the point of sale, you want funding and you want a loan, and you're getting it at that point of sale from the interface of the sale, rather than going to a bank separately and, and obtaining that loan, right? So it's all these sort of the pandemic has created conditions that have accelerated that trend. It's not like it wasn't happening before.
0: Well, you're talking there about the the platform businesses like Amazon and Facebook and Airbnb and so on.
1: And Square and FinTechs. And absolutely, from a a consumer perspective, that is the case. But Bass is not just about the consumer-facing platform giants. It's about FinTechs as well, who do not want or are not able to get a banking license of their own, who want to embed banking, some form of banking into their core value proposition, and rely on a banking as a service provider to to provide that service. Well, Uh, let's talk
0: a little bit, if we can, about the different models. You've obviously outlined a couple of them there straight away. Mm-hmm. What are the what's going to win? What's going to be the hairy-fisted gorilla, if I can put it that way? What, which is the the most going to be the most successful model? Apart, of course, from the ones that your company offers.
1: So, when you talk about models, what exactly do you mean? You mean the ba- open banking business models?
0: The business model of banking as a service, which is right. which do you see is likely to be the most successful?
1: So, there is only one model: banking as a service. I think. But if we step back and look at open banking, there are three models, okay? So in addition to a bank completely creating products on its own, manufacturing them and distributing them to their own customers, which was the traditional banking model, you have three new models, right? You have the banking as a service model where a bank is providing banking services to other customer-facing third-party entities who are sourcing that banking service, but who are owning the customer, right? That is the banking as a service model which is a manufacturing play for banks. Then you have the aggregator model where the bank owns the customer and the customer interface and provides third-party products in addition to its own. And then you have the pure platform model where you are, it's a theoretical model. I would say that most banks follow combinations, but the theoretical model is that the bank operates as an intermediary which connects manufacturers and distributors. So, those are the three sort of open banking models. And when you say which one will win, I I don't think it's about which one will win. It is more about a bank's individual strategy. So, banks are looking at what all this is, you know, the disintermediation of the value chain. And what open banking is making banks do is take a very hard look at their own business. Where is it that they add value Where is it that they would be better off collaborating with somebody else? Where is it that they should in-source and sort of create economies of scale? And then deciding what their strategy will be. So what we are observing is that banks are looking at every geography they are in, every business line they are in, and then deciding what's the best strategy for them. And a classic example of that is standard Chartered. So standard Chartered, in certain geographies has decided that they will offer banking as a service. So Nexus is an example of that where they offer banking as a service to, uh, uh, say, a ride a, a ride-hailing app uh, in that geography, an Uber-like app, right? Uh, where they are deciding very consciously that they're going to not own the customer in that market. In another market where they dominate, they want their own brand to be the the, the customer-facing brand. And they're sourcing from third-party providers. They're building digital banking uh, units in, in Africa, for instance. And in Hong Kong, they are collaborating with a travel company and they are building a greenfield digital bank under a new brand called Mox, right? So these are variations of all the three strategies, but they're very carefully deciding where is it that we dominate the market, where is it that we are happy to collaborate, where is it that we want to provide banking as a service.
0: I want to come back to one of the points you've mentioned there, and that is the idea that a bank accepts, given a certain geography, given a certain kind of marketplace, that it's not going to own the customer. That's a huge conceptual leap for a bank to have taken.
1: You're right. You're right. And and they are taking it. And some of the larger play, largest players are, are kind of doing that, right? So you take the example of, Goldman Sachs providing credit cards and loans to Apple. You take the example of uh, JP Morgan Chase, a giant like JP Morgan Chase collaborating with Amazon. So you have are doing the same thing. So it is not a model that is just being embraced by the U.S. mid-market, which is where it is most mature, by the way. Uh, for various reasons, the U.S. mid-market, the community banks in the U.S., are offering BAS in a big way, and that is due to the peculiarities of the U.S. market. The fact that it's very, very hard to get a, a banking license in the U.S. means that fintechs rely on license-holding banks to provide some of the banking services. And also, the Dodd-Frank um, interchange rates are very favorable uh, for this model. Uh, but having said that, look at the giants, the, the J.P. Morgans and the and the Goldman Sachs and the Bebe who are doing that. And so they are seeing this as a as a, as a flanking strategy and a viable one despite their uh, amazing brands.
0: In and of itself, it's a huge market opportunity.
1: Yes, they're seeing it as a market opportunity because what they're seeing is that even if it cannibalizes their own business to some extent, what it does is that it does allow banks to grow their balance sheet profitably as the brands offer them a channel to acquire new customers cheaply and rapidly through their own differentiating propositions. So then BAS becomes a means to collaborate rather than compete with the new entrants in the selected markets. They do get lower costs of acquisition. They get benefits, even if they risk cannibalizing their own business to some extent.
0: Kanika Hope, Chief Strategy Officer of Terminos. Thank you very much.